Again, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> and happy, happy feast day to all. Happy feast day? Good, thank you. <clears throat> My first visit to St. Margaret Mary was sometime in the, in the spring of 1969. I wasn't on any official business. <clears throat> in fact, I was living over in, on the coast, and somebody suggested that Winter Park was a nice place to visit. So two of us came over to Winter Park, and by accident, <clears throat> while we're there, we stumbled into this building here. And it had apparently had just been dedicated the day before. And I would have to say that I was blown away by this building. Uh, it just seemed so beautiful and so different. I mean, I grew up with what we call cruciform churches, that is, churches in, in the shape of a crucifix. And I'd never seen anything exactly like this before. In fact, I don't think there was anything like this. This was the first of its kind, uh, certainly in Florida. And, but uh, the windows, everything about it just seemed so, so magnificent. And um, I also, while, while I was here, um, thought, you know, this is sort of like w wishful thinking, if you will. I said, wouldn't it be nice? I was just ordained a year at the time. Wouldn't it be nice to be a pastor here on some occasion? <laughs> it, it, was, it was wishful thinking. But, you know, the funny thing is that sometimes those wishes come true, as happened in my case, and it happened about 17 years later. So when I came here uh, 17 years later, it was 1985, as pastor, Again, I was happy to be here. I love the church. I like the people. Love the people, I presume. <laughs> and also, um, my only sort of hesitation with regard to being here, and this happened over a period of time, was I struggled with their patroness. I struggled with St. Margaret Mary and what she stood for. Now, I knew all about her, let's face it by then, and that she was a French nun who uh, lived in the 16th century uh, in France, and she never left the convent for entire spectrum of her life. Uh, she never uh, did anything spectacular. She didn't write any, any books, but she had, a tremendous, she had a tremendous devotion to Christ present in the Eucharist. So much so that, uh, so much so, she was the one who, who started off that devotion to the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I knew all of that, and I believed it up here. But somehow in here, it just didn't seem to resonate. It didn't seem to make all that much difference to me. And I can recall that after being here a couple of years, and it was the Feast of St. Margaret Mary, and some lady said to me, she says, you don't seem to be that excited about, about St. Margaret Mary and her feast. And she sort of caught me by surprise because I thought I had been doing a good job of covering up, you know, how I, how I, how I felt. So subsequently, I spent some time in reflection saying to myself, you know, why is it that I'm not excited about St. Margaret Mary and most especially about the feast that she stands for? 
that is of Christ present in the Eucharist. And it certainly caught me, got me into a process of reflection and it led me right back to my childhood uh, in rural Ireland. And right then in rural Ireland, in our home, my home, and in almost any other home I was into, each home had, had this large frame picture, large frame picture of uh, Jesus, the sacred heart of Jesus, with a heart uh, burning, if you will, uh, full, uh, surrounded by thorns. And nice, uh, nice uh, face with a, with a nice beard. But he had those, what I call, piercing eyes. And those piercing eyes, you know, growing up, I wasn't a bad kid, but I wasn't a good kid either. <laughs> so I was often in trouble, okay? And I felt that those piercing eyes followed me around the house. And not just around my, uh, my home, but almost anywhere I went, I got hit by those piercing eyes. And time and again, it made me feel guilty. And I think that that image was at the, sort of at the back of everything. It's amazing how, like, how a childhood image can sort of have repercussions in your life uh, for years to come. And so I said, I need to do something to, to change that. So I decided to, to look for a, a different image of Christ, of the same reality, if you will. And so I poked my way through, through, through the New Testament, through the Gospels, and I finally found what I was looking for. It's in, in chapter 10 of St. Luke's Gospel, verses 37 to 41. It's a rather familiar story. It's the story of uh, Jesus going to visit two of his friends he went to visit Martha and Mary. And as, as, the, as the story goes, we're told that uh, Martha was busy with hospitality. She was getting ready for the dinner. Whereas we're told that Mary, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. She was in a sense contemplating him, if you will. And all seemed to go well for a while. And then, and then Martha was, obviously getting more angry with the passage of time, seeing, doing what, doing what she was doing and Mary sitting there doing nothing. And so she finally went to Jesus and she says, does it not concern you, Lord, does it not concern you that uh, my sister is not doing anything to help me? Tell her to help me. And the response of Jesus is extremely significant. He says, Martha, Martha, he says, you are busy and upset about many things. One thing only is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better part. Mary has chosen the better part. The better part is sitting at the feet of Jesus, contemplating his love and his grace. What a powerful, what a powerful image. And I present that image to you here today, not to, in a sense, abolish the, the one that you may have grown up with, but I present that image to you to the extent that it's not just about, about sitting at the feet of Jesus somewhere along the line. Rather, it's what's happening in our midst here today. In other words, when we come here and as we sit before the altar, but most especially when we receive the Eucharist, 
that we are sitting at the feet of Jesus. And keep in mind, keep in mind that we're doing this at a very, during these challenging times. You know as well as I do that the last year and a half have been extremely difficult with the, with the virus. And it has separated people from one another. It has caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and also a lot of grief. So the bottom line is that it has affected us in a variety of different ways. Sometimes in ways that we're not even sure what it is. So I just suggest to you here this, uh, this morning that as we're here, this is the Feast of St. Margaret Mary, that it's our opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow him to minister to us. And as we do so, keep in mind the words of today's gospel reading, because I think they're extremely relevant. Where Jesus says to them and to us, he says, come to me, all you who labor and find life burdensome, and I will refresh you. Take your yoke upon, take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. You will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So my prayer for you today is that somehow during this celebration that the Lord will touch your lives and heal in your hearts anything that maybe needs healing at this point in time. Also, I just suggest that while you are here, it's an opportunity not just to pray for yourselves. Think about the people who are not here and for whatever reason are not joining us during this time. So your prayer for them could indeed be beneficial and so if you pray for them during this time, pray that when they join us in this Eucharistic celebration, that's only then that this community will be complete. So that's what I asked of you today. It's a wonderful day, it's a wonderful feast, and it's an opportunity for all of us to really draw closer to the Lord and allow him to touch us with his healing grace. Amen.